Welcome to another episode of Talks for a Magical Monday, the weekly podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. I'm your host, Brother Gustavo. For those who are not familiar with the Heralds, the Heralds of the Gospel are a community active in the Catholic Archdiocese of Toronto, as well as several other cities across Canada. Founded by Monsignor Jean Cladias, the Heralds comprise priests, religious, brothers and sisters, and lay people since their pontifical recognition in 2001 by Pope John Paul II. And for those who are familiar with the Heralds, this podcast features the talks following the Heralds' weekly rosary at St. Patrick's Parish in Schomburg, Ontario, where the brothers share some consoling and encouraging thoughts precisely geared to those dreaded beginnings of a probably hard week called Mondays. If you want to know more about the origin of the podcast, please stop right here. Go back and listen to episode number one. So even if today it's not Monday, but you're still commuting or doing chores, take heart brighten your perspectives and enjoy today's talk recorded live at St. Patrick's Church in Schomburg, Ontario. The topic, in times of pandemics and danger, the problem of pain, how to accompany Christ during Lent. Welcome then to Talks for a Magical Monday, the weekly podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. Well, welcome once again to one of these uh, marvelous Mondays. And um, I wish we gathered on a better note. Just for the record, we have all by the letter engaged in social distancing. In a church this size, we're all like apart. We're all following the rules. And today I'm going to be talking about the problem of pain. And this is an interesting subject. And no pun intended, it can be painful. And the problem of pain is an issue that is directly connected to the human experience. Now, what do I mean by that? In the pagan times, the problem of pain was an issue. When you go to the book of Genesis, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, we see God himself suffering. We see the book of Job, which according to history is more or less lined up with Genesis for its timeline, is all about pain and suffering. And why? That big question, why do I suffer? And that why question is something which many writers, theologians, saints, and your corner smart person have all given an attempt to get at. One put it this way, a God who cannot suffer is poorer than any human. For a God who is incapable of suffering is a being who cannot be involved. Suffering and injustice would not affect him. But because he is so, 
completely insensitive. He cannot be affected or shaken by anything. He cannot weep, for he has no tears. But the one who cannot suffer cannot love either. So he is also a loveless being. But we know that God is love. And that's what St. John told us in his letters. So God profoundly suffers with us as we suffer. But why do we suffer? Why can't God just get away with it all? Do away with all this suffering. That question is important for us to put into our minds. But also... Let us go to Calvary. Let's go to Golgotha. And we see Christ, the the atoning sacrifice to the Father for the sin of our first parents. And what does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his very humanity, he's asking that very question. Why? And there was silence. True, the answer came later. But at that moment, there was no answer. God's passionate reality made perfect sense in a society where tears of mourning and songs of joy were a normal part of life. This was where Job could, let's put it, quote-unquote, throw dishes at God out of frustration. King David could dance for joy through the streets of Jerusalem. But what happened? Well, the Greeks rejected emotions. And that arose from an intellectual pride that they were willing to sacrifice one's full humanity for the sake of being in constant control. And that Greek heritage, which we all share through our education, is where we have an issue where we don't see that reflection that the Hebrews would have seen. That desire to be in control actually allows us to suffer more. Now, when we go to the text of Genesis, our English translation of the original text tends to be a little bit weak, tends to be a little bit um, one-dimensional. But many a time you'll see in Genesis chapter 6, he will use, the writer will use, instead of when Christ, when God the Father looks at the sin that is being committed by our first parents, by their subsequent generations, you would expect the word of wrath. But instead, the Bible says God was grieved. God had sorrow. In that his, quote, heart was deeply troubled. These are human emotions. God suffers with us. The problem is a murderous gangrene had infected his precious children, causing them to destroy themselves and each other. God's anguish was so great that he, quote, regretted that he even made human beings. 
That regret comes from a deep-seated love. Because only when you love can you be hurt. So why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? Why do we have diseases? Why do we have afflictions, moral afflictions, spiritual afflictions, psychological afflictions? It's difficult to give it an answer. C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book on the problem of pain, over 300 pages. He began by explaining why we suffer, and at the end he asked, his last line is a question, why do we suffer? Pain is instrumental in our lives. But we have to remember that God suffers with us. Christ could have offered one drop of his blood, and that could have been enough to solution all the problems caused by Adam and Eve's first sin, and then all of the subsequent sins, and then all the sins that happened after his offering, until the last sin that was committed by the last person on the earth. But he desired to suffer for us and to be an example for us. Suffering, in a sense, it's been, it was said by Dr. Plinio Correa de Vera once, this is very important for us to remember. We know that there are seven sacraments. We learned that in catechism class. But there is an eighth sacrament. And that eighth sacrament is suffering. And you can tell a person who suffers because that eighth sacrament, that suffering in their lives, actuate all of the other sacraments, actuates all of those graces, gives them an ability to bend their ear, to listen, to obey to God in ways that a person who has not suffered in their lives can only dream of. It's so difficult to understand the problem of pain. Um, what we have to remember is that many pains that we receive in our lives are products of our own bad decisions, of our own bad actions. Lewis puts it interestingly in which he uses it as a tool of love. And that sounds bizarre, because we look at love, we say, how can suffering be love? He gets to the point of truth. And when he gets to that point, it, it ends up being something that rings very true. That's why it's a pity in this time of great suffering that the churches are, in a sense, abandoned. Because this would be the greatest moment for people to hit their knees and to beg God solution. In Poland, they are doing an interesting thing in which they're going to the churches even if there isn't mass, 
and they're doing the Davidic offering. Remember when David sinned and his son was stricken because of his sin. David laid himself prostrate, prone on the ground, asking God to take away such a terrible thing from his son. In Poland, thousands of people are laying prone in the churches, begging God to lift this plague from our world. We need more of that. Lewis puts it like this. He says, no doubt pain is God's megaphone. And it's a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion. But it gives the only opportunity to a bad man to make amends. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel's soul. Many times it's a tool that God uses to try to get us to open our ears. Remember that in Hebrew, the word obey and listen were the same word. That's why throughout the Old Testament, you constantly hear this word. Listen, bend your ear, you hard-hearted person, hard-necked. If you switch listen and obey, it changes the whole spectrum. Because all of a sudden, you're looking at it and saying, their problem was they were proud and didn't obey. If we look within our own lives, what happens? Many of the problems that we get ourselves into, which later will cause the greatest forms of pain, are when we are hard-hearted, stiff-necked, and don't listen. It's not just that we don't listen to God who is above, who may be hard to hear sometimes through the rustle-brustle of our lives. But it might be through someone else, a friend, a parent, a spiritual guide, the Word of God in Scripture. And we decide, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. Maybe a friend will say, but this is going to bring pain and suffering. I don't care. I want it. And once we have it, we're like Eve with the apple. Once she ate from it, she understood what she had done wrong. Pain shatters illusions. All of us who have suffered in our lives, the illusions of life disappear. Mostly those of us who may have chronic ailments, who have received, in a sense, that death sentence in the doctor's office, in which they say, we cannot reverse this, we cannot save you from this end, we can make it comfortable. That's always the famous lie, make it comfortable, which means it won't be comfortable, nor will it be nice. We'll keep you alive. But the illusion of living forever begins to quickly trickle down. For some people, those who have a more sensitive, extroverted element to themselves, it brings on tears and despair. For those more introverted, 
it brings on despair, but it brings on a darkness in which hope seems to be quenched. The problem we have to understand is that what we need, what we were made for in our lives, is God. And everything else is extra. That friendship, that relationship, that bit of money, that material good, that pleasure, all have ends. And when that suffering hits us, we understand that everything has an end, including ourselves. That brings us to a place which is far more healthy if we're able to look at Christ on the cross and hear those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we feel that within ourselves, we can relate with him. Augustine puts it this way. He says, God wants to give us something, but it cannot because our hands are full. God's trying to talk to us, but we're on two phones at the same time. And we're texting too. He's trying to get our attention. There is a greater reality. We were born for eternity. We are born for everlasting life. And we are satisfying ourselves like Esau with bowls of lentils. Which might satisfy our hunger for the moment, but we will be starving later on. Lewis puts it this way. He says, we regard God as an airman. And how an airman regards his parachute. It's there for emergencies. But he hopes that he'll never have to use it. When suffering comes our way. We're flying out of that airplane. We're pulling for the chute. And at that point we're looking for a chute that works. While we can and we should look at all things, we call our own life, and that life is is agreeable, but it's only agreeable when we surrender it to God, and then it becomes good. When we look at the problem of pain, another way that we can look at it is an outlook we have towards pain. There are two two prisoners looking out of their prison. One, looking out of the barred window, sees the sky. The other sees mud. It's what we make of it. It's purpose. The attitude we have towards it is everything. One's view can be opaque like that of a stone wall. The other is transparent like a window pane. It's how we form and live our lives. Imagine we look at 
a beautiful bouquet of natural roses. Two ways we can look at them. One is that those poor roses have nasty thorns. Or, look, even those thorns have beautiful roses. It's up to us. Let's look at our Lord on the cross. Let's look at him with two individuals on either side. The good thief, bad thief. Let's consider the thief on his left, the bad thief. He suffered no more than the one on the right. They suffered basically equally. Nowhere close to how much Jesus suffered. But he began and ends his crucifixion with a curse. Never at one moment did the one on the left correlate or judge or think or relate what the one in the center was suffering. Our Lord's prayer of forgiveness meant no more to this man than the flight of a bird. He saw no more purpose in his suffering than a fly sees his purpose when he flies along the pane of glass trying to get out. He could not assimilate his pain and make it into a nourishment for his soul. Pain turned against him, infected him, poisoned his system. And that's why he cursed the very one who could have brought him to heaven. He knew nothing of anything. Because he didn't know how. He didn't have admiration. He never looked. It's a philosophy of life. It's how we activate the virtues. When we don't do that, then we are unable to fit pain into the pattern of the crazy quilt of our lives. Life is absolutely unpredictable. And we look at that man and if we don't see the action of grace, we may think he was a troubled man who came from a baffled youth. But God called out to him and he didn't listen. His neck was stiff. On the other hand, we have the good thief who at the moment of his suffering looked towards the one who was pierced and received everything. You may say he was the man of the 11th hour. 
He was redeemed on the moment. This very day you will be with me in paradise. God loves us. And we have to remember that suffering is the greatest tool to reach what we are called to be as Christians. But more than that, as children of God. If the Father allowed, commanded, expected, and accepted the sufferings of his Son, we can put our little drop of water into the chalice of our Lord's sufferings. Why do we suffer? Why, if a good God would allow us to suffer? That's a question which has been asked for thousands of years. Echoed from the ears of Eve, seeing her son killed by her brother until the present day. Let's ask in a special way, mother of sorrows, who encountered her son along the way to Jerusalem uh, towards his cross, suffering with Jesus all the way across to give us strength to encounter our own crosses, but learn from the good shepherd how to walk as Christians should, to grasp the pain and carry it to our Calvary, our Golgotha, so that we can resurrect on our Easter. Let's stand for three Hail Marys. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Mother of mercy, mother most sorrowful, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And this is all for today's episode recorded live from St. Patrick's Church in Schomburg, Ontario. You can reach us anytime at one of the Herald's websites, such as heralds.ca forward slash podcast, New Insights Multimedia forward slash podcast, or you can also subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you normally listen to your favorite podcast. And as per now, pray hard, work hard, keep growing in devotion to the Eucharist and our Blessed Mother, Evangelize by word and example, and be every day more and more a real herald of the gospel. Jesus,